But as Christians, once we've sort of seen the light, we oftentimes go to people and we say, no, 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 don't go down that path. You have to do this. But in any way, are we injecting into their free will? and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Welcome to Discipleship Conditioning and thank you for being here. As we continue our Bible study, chapter by chapter, so far through the book of Matthew exclusively, but as we finish Matthew, that will continue onward. The goal is to go all the way through the New Testament and then start at the beginning of the Old Testament. If that goal is God's will to be done, uh, this is about a 27-year process. So uh, we're in it for the long haul for sure. But again, we're excited for you to be here. Our deep dive is into Matthew chapter 11. Uh, You may notice some new equipment that we have and a new position for the camera if you're watching video. Uh, we are so thankful and blessed the Lord has given us an upgraded microphone and given us a camera and all that, all this equipment that we have to bring this to you. At Biblical Anatomy Academy, we offer free services like the podcast and YouTube videos and a number of other things. And as we continue to build this and grow and grow, we will be publishing courses. As many of you know, I teach anatomy and physiology, specifically biblical anatomy and physiology. And starting in January, our goal is to launch some courses. And uh, our podcast on Monday, Biblical Anatomy, ties in directly with those courses and uh, what we're going to be offering. So if any of that interests you, uh, we will mention sort of our websites and our self-sponsorship a little bit later on. Uh, But we would love it if you would join us and look and see what we have to offer. Uh, and if anything else, refer what we have to offer to those that you might think would be interested. Um, we thank you for that in advance. So again, the benefit of today is to do a deep dive into Matthew chapter 11. As a reminder, our mission is to bring together Christians who strive to follow the light of God over the darkness of this world, to renew our mindsets through shared experience and discipleship, so we can better love the Lord our God following his commandments. Today's story Uh, is a strength and conditioning story for you from my background. Those of you that know me know that I am a strength and conditioning coach who teaches anatomy and physiology. Uh, Above all of that, I am a child of God, just like you, and uh, those are the skills that God has provided me with in my lifetime. And uh, the word yoke, most people think of an egg, but as intended in Matthew chapter 11, it is meant to depict a heavy instrument that one carries on one back. Think of a yoke that a, a cow would carry or a longhorn would carry or something, some sort of farm animal like that would carry. Well, in strength and conditioning, we have a yoke as well. It's more in the segment of strongman than all strength and conditioning, but most people in strength and conditioning know what a yoke is. And when you're under a yoke, position it across your back, you wrap your hands around the side, you lift it up, and you walk for a distance. Sometimes it's a set distance, uh, down and back. 
Sometimes it's a set number of repetitions down and back. Sometimes it is just the most time you can hold it. There's a bunch of different things you can do with it. But the point is, anyone who's had a yoke on their back knows that uh, it's a difficult task. And because you're supporting with so much of your frame, you can do substantial amounts of weight. I know men who have done well over a thousand pounds before, and that's actually fairly light when you consider what the professionals move. Myself, I forget how many hundreds of pounds it was, six, seven, eight hundred pounds, but the point of the story is that when you are in alignment, it almost feels like nothing. When you're out of alignment, you feel it drastically. Think of a fishing pole. If you cast into a river or lake and you catch a fish, and the more that that pole bends, the more stress is on the bottom of the pole where your hands are. Well, your back operates in a similar sort of way. If you can keep that aligned relatively straight, you can get to a point of weightlessness or as close to weightlessness as you can get to. And so that's when training becomes really fun because you're aligned. That's when, when other exercises become really fun, like bench press. You find that perfect position and it feels like it's weightless almost. Back squat, very similar position to the yoke. Deadlift, a number of different exercises that you can do. And when you get good at them and when you learn the technique and you become aligned, it truly feels weightless because you are supported. Direct application with what we're going to talk about here in Matthew 11, that if we have alignment in Christ, it feels easy. It feels great. There's success to it. And so we'll start in Matthew 11, verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So the part that I'd like to focus on, and the only part for this section, is who is least in the kingdom of heaven. I think a lot of us over the years uh, in our walk with Christ have these questions that we ask on, well, what about this? And the Bible doesn't mention this, and this is a gray area. And maybe even compiling a list of questions to ask God when you arrive in heaven. The Bible gives us enough to know God, but not understand God. The Bible gives us enough to lead a solid Christian life. We can't lead a perfect life. It's just not within us. There's only one example of that. That's Jesus Christ. But it gives us enough information so that we can live a meaningful life and we can end that life with good job, good and faithful servant. But as we look at this, who is least in the kingdom of heaven, it just kind of makes me go down that rabbit hole a little bit of what questions I have for God when I get to heaven. And, you know, we think of theories on Big Bang Theory or whatever the case is, all these different things that people want to ask that are outside of the Bible and its description of the Bible, how time started, all of that stuff. And I don't even think we can begin to fathom the complexities and the purities of heaven. If, like me, you're super excited about that, excited about that opportunity to behold that. We're going to talk a little bit later about being judged. We're going to talk about who our attorney is. And provided you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll have that opportunity to bear witness, if you will, to the complexities and the purities of heaven that we can't even begin to fathom here on earth as much as, as, much as we try. Next verse is Matthew eleven fifteen. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the part of that ears to hear is what I want to focus on. 
Have you ever had a life experience that you walked away in awe, like that was a very valuable life experience, and then you see someone else go through a similar life experience and you want to bestow your knowledge on them, and you know it's just going to work as fantastic for them as it did for you, and we all know the experience of that not working out the way that we thought in our head. Parents can really relate to this with young adults as children. We feel like as parents, we have everything mapped out on exactly the answer to every single question they will ever encounter. And they either accept that advice or don't accept the advice. I think back to when I was a teenager. And thankfully, I had a father that was very open with me on his experiences, his trials, what worked and what didn't work. However, I was a very curious, stubborn young man. And so my dad would tell me, this is what didn't work. Here's a story, and here's what I recommend that you don't do. So what did I do like many teenage men, teenage boys? I did it. And I came back to my dad weeks later, days later, whatever it was, and I said, you remember that thing you told me that was not a good idea to do? Yeah, I, I did that. And and turns out you were right. It was not a good thing to do. Now, thankfully, I learned from those experiences, but the point is I had to have the experience by my nature and who I am to sort of validate it, right? And God continually gives us free will so that we can learn our experiences and come to him in our own time. But as Christians, once we've sort of seen the light, we oftentimes go to people and we say, no, 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 don't go down that path. You have to do this. But in any way, are we injecting into their free will? I don't know. We're certainly called to disciple, and I'm not saying that we're not. But I'm learning as I get older and older to respect others' free will and their decisions to do things and doing the best I can to live my life by example so that it provokes people to ask questions about my faith and so that I can share the good news with them. I don't think this is a perfect answer, and I'm not pretending that it is, but... I think there's something to that. I think there's something to the free will that we've all been given. And the teacher in many of us, especially those of us that grow older and have children, and how much we interject in our children's lives or our friends' lives or whoever. I think it's important, no matter how old we are, to be equal teacher and student at all times. You know, respect your elders. I completely agree with that. But I think that you also need to, as you become an elder yourself, be just as much a teacher as you are a student, or I should say it the opposite way, just as much a student as you are a teacher. And I think that is lost in a lot of people. Matthew eleven eighteen through 19, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. I'll point out real quick, just kind of the hypocrisy there. Neither eating nor drinking in a demon, but then if they eat and drink, they are a glutton, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So there's sort of no appeasing, and I assume they're speaking to the Pharisees here, but there's no appeasing them, basically, one way or the other. But the point that I want to highlight is yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. And I think this is the first time in the podcast that I turn it over to you. I want to know your thoughts because honestly, this confuses me. I'm not sure what is meant by yet wisdom is justified by her deeds, specifically why it is her deeds. Now, I brought this up in men's group this morning and they directed me towards Proverbs and that makes a bit of sense to me. 
but I need your help. I'm lost in this. Look up Matthew 11, specifically verse 19, and help me understand what is meant by her deeds. You can email me. The email is in the show notes, and I'd love to and look forward to a conversation with you. Matthew 11, 25 through 26. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, but revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. How interesting. Hidden them from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Have you ever heard somebody say, the faith of a child? There's been no room in their life up until that point to have any reason to doubt God. The, the, the faith of a child can move mountains because there's no impediment. I, our, our second daughter was conceived and around that time, a few weeks prior to conception, our oldest daughter prayed for a baby. And maybe I'll have to tell that story at another time uh, in more depth. But I know that there was zero doubt in her heart that that prayer was going to be answered. But can we say the same as adults? I also think of poor, poor men, the faith of a poor man. And I think of it is difficult to enter the gates of heaven with earthly riches. I think of a dear friend of mine in a previous men's group that mentioned that quite often, that he thanked God that sanctification wasn't associated with a PhD, wasn't associated with a certain dollar in one's bank account, that the poor man would often have more understanding of scripture than the rich man. So perhaps what we should take away is how can our faith be more like that of a child? Or how can our faith be more like that of a poor man, someone who is rich in Scripture? Matthew eleven twenty seven, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. The last part of that, anyone who chooses, anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him is what I'd like to focus on. And here's the part I was alluding to prior, a judge and an attorney. When we are lucky enough to enter the gates of heaven, God will be our judge. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I go by Daniel instead of Dan anymore. I went by Dan for a number of years because I idolized my father and he was big Dan and I was little Dan and I wanted to be just like him. I now go by Daniel because it's a pretty good book if you haven't read it in the Bible, book of Daniel. And Daniel means God is my judge. And so it's a reminder to me to always remember that no matter how much I'm judged here on earth, there is one judge that matters. Now, when I reach that judgment, I'm in a whole lot of trouble because I'm a messy, sinful, wretched individual that deserves, deserves the lake of fire. We all do. But thankfully, having my life transformed, being baptized, being a symbol of turning my life over to Jesus Christ, it just so happens that my attorney 
is Jesus. And that's the only way that I'm going to be able to withstand that day of judgment. Now, I have no idea what that's going to look like. I certainly have questions and curiosities. But the Bible reveals to me enough, and I know that I'm saved because Jesus loves me and I love him. And Jesus is my attorney and the best decision I've ever made in my life. Talked last week or the week prior about who is highest on sort of your hierarchy, your pedestal. And I have a difficult time loving Jesus more than my wife, loving Jesus more than my daughters. But it's something that I'm continually working on and being honest with because there's only one individual that has ever walked the earth that has the capacity to forgive our sins and live a perfect life himself to be able to make that meaningful. And I'm thankful that he is willing to accept me as a client. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, what we opened with. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, that's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And I'd like to again focus on sort of the latter half of this set of verses. I will give you rest. And again, this is meant to be probably the most interactive episode that I've ever published. And so I have a couple questions for you. How do you relate? How do you relate to this statement? How do you relate to uh, this statement with your story and your testimony? I could tell you mine again, and I won't because I've mentioned it numerous times and this show doesn't need to be about me. What about you? What's your story? What's your testimony? Are you scared to share it? If you are, please don't be. The stories change lives because we're all relatable in our human experience and we're relatable in our stories. And you'll be surprised at how many people have had something in their lives happen that is very similar to the experience that you've had. And we can be unified in that way. We're meant to tell stories. We're meant to hear stories. We do do so through books, through movies, through podcasts. But this time I want to hear your story. I know my testimony and you know mine. But I want to know your testimony. What brought you to this point in time? And I'll segue straight into our self-sponsorship because you need an email. I want you to reply to that email what your testimony is. Whether it's in video form, it's in text form, whatever it is. Our sponsor is us, biblicalanatomy.com. We're here to execute the plan that God has for our life, to do nothing more and nothing less. Daily, we want to wake and pray for what we are to accomplish in our work that day. Thankfully, to this point in time, we feel called to do two podcasts. We feel called to have a Biblical Anatomy Academy and serve students. Age range will be 15 to probably 22-ish. It's going to be a college-level class and a series of college-level classes. It's going to be meant for those in a gap year. It's going to be meant for those that are homeschooled. It's going to be meant to those that are currently in anatomy and physiology classes, but they're struggling. If you're interested in that or you want to share your testimony, please email us through the link below. You can email us directly. You'll get a hold of us the fastest, even faster than social media. 
We check our email more frequently than we check our social media. Also in links below is a option for tips. Both links to each podcast are there for tips. If you want to provide a one-time tip, that's the best way to do it. If you want to provide a reoccurring tip, we would have you consider joining our community, our academy, where we host all of our classes. That way you have access to the inside to see what we're doing there. And it monthly provides uh, for us so that we can keep this thing going. And lastly, in a non-monetary way, review. Review and referral. Those are more important than the monetary side. The monetary side is sort of what keeps things going on a month-to-month basis. But what keeps things growing is referrals and reviews. I don't understand the algorithms, but I know that reviews help. I've seen it, and I ask for yours. So our take-home message is, are you aligned so the yoke feels light? Remember the strength and conditioning story that I told you in the beginning? How it just feels weightless? Well, how does your faith feel like that? How does the yoke that Jesus asks you to carry feel light? How does the burden feel light? And I'm not going to answer that question, but I want you to. And we'll conclude, as we always do, with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen.